I'm Leanne Spencer, founder of Body Shop Performance Limited, best-selling author, TEDx speaker, and your host. This is the Remove the Guesswork podcast, the show where I interview influential people in the health, fitness, and well-being space to bring you the latest ideas on how to optimize your mind, body, and well-being. The show is brought to you by my company, Body Shop Performance. We create total solutions to optimize your health by focusing on sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. We work with busy professionals on a one-to-one basis for six or 12 months using the latest science and technology. And Body Shop also work with businesses who want to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance and position well-being as a competitive advantage. Find out more at bodyshopperformance.com and enjoy the show. Hello and welcome to the Remove the Guesswork podcast. I'm your host, Leanne Spencer, and this week we're bringing you something a little different. This is a talk that I gave in November of 2018 at an event organized by a company called Trans2, and Martin Johnson actually runs that company, and he was a guest on the podcast a few months ago. And I was invited to speak at his event in Hull at a brilliant venue called The Deep, which is part of an aquarium. And I spoke about how to create a culture of energy, vitality and performance in your business to about 100 different business owners and explained how they could underpin well-being as a serious competitive advantage. And in the talk, I talk about some of the issues that surround well-being in the workplace. I then cite a number of different examples of people who are doing this really, really well. I go on to talk about some of the successes they've had and how they've managed to use well-being. Not only is the right thing to do, the moral thing to do in terms of looking after the human beings that work there, but also to reduce absenteeism, to improve employee engagement and retention, and ultimately be able to attract new staff into the organisation. So I hope you enjoy this. If you were interested in the services that we offer for businesses, you can look at the website, which is bodyshopperformance.com and click on the Body Shop for Business area and you'll get a lot more information there. Equally, if you want to arrange a discovery session to talk more about how this relates to your specific business, drop an email to Lorraine at bodyshopperformance.com and she'll get in touch. Enjoy the episode. I'm Leanne Spencer. My story or my interest in well-being actually starts from quite a long time ago. It's based on my personal experience as well. So my career, I've been working for 23 years. The first 17 years of that career, I was in sales. I worked for various different companies, software companies, market data companies. And for the first half of that career, I loved it. It was great. I was always in the right place at the right time when it came to products, a decent commission, fairly easy to sell, happy days. And then I switched jobs and came into the city of London. And it was in those last sort of seven years of my career that things really started to change for me. I felt a bit less excited about what I did. I found that I felt a little bit more disenfranchised, less authentic as well. And in the last few years, the really sharp end, the last three years of that career, you know, I looked very different. I was considered to be heavier. I used to dress in skirts, tights and heels and had long hair and you know, quite a stark contrast to how I look like now. And I think I felt that that's kind of how I had to dress. So it was a bit of fitting in, a bit of conformity, and that lack of authenticity starts to eat away at you a little bit. It's, it's toxic, really, when you're mixing with people. You know, I had colleagues that would say to me, I'm not getting out of bed for less than 50 grand. If the deal's not worth that, I just don't come in. You know, that kind of bullshit and bravado that I thought, well, that's not really me. I'm a bit more authentic than that. And 
after a while, I started to feel really stressed with the whole pressure of it all. And I started medicating against that stress with alcohol. And I was drinking anything up to a bottle and a half or three bottles of wine a day. So don't let me put you off, by the way. Carry on having a good time. Uh, But that's what I was doing. Uh, And that's how I was medicating against the stress and the frustration and the lack of fulfilment and everything that was going on for me. And it came to a head in March 2012. As I was coming out of a meeting on a Friday afternoon, and I'd been told in that meeting this big six-figure deal I was expecting to come in that would get me well above my sales target had fallen through. So I wasn't going to hit my sales target. I knew I was going to have a really difficult conversation on Monday. And as I crossed over London Bridge, it was grey, it was starting to rain, and I felt really desperate. I felt really quite despondent and low. By the time I got home, I decided to resign. I thought, you know, I've got a crossroads here, but two paths are available to me. I can carry on drinking and being unfulfilled. And some of the stuff we've been talking about, like excuses, yeah, but I've got to do it because I've got these outgoings and all that kind of stuff. So I resigned. It was accepted on the Monday morning. And by Friday, I was out of work. Nothing to go to. But I knew one thing. I knew that I really wanted to build a business. I've always wanted to be an entrepreneur, which is, you know, not what I'd done for 17 years, I agree. And the other thing I've always been really interested in, apart from business, was health. Again, a contradiction. What's healthy about a bottle and a half to three bottles of wine a day? Nothing. But sloshing around, there was a desire to be healthy. So I intersected my love of business and my love of health and created the business that I run now. But I then thought as well, can I not create a business that helps other businesses to be healthy? Because my observation was that there was a lot on my shoulders for the way that I was behaving and the way I was responding to stress. But my company didn't really know what to do with it. And I've observed that there's a real lack of energy and vitality, problems with tiredness, problems with lack of purpose in quite a lot of organisations. So I thought, let's create a business that helps other businesses to be more healthy. So I also started to look at the numbers to see, is this an issue just in the companies that I've been privy to, or is it a broader issue? It turns out it is. So 6.6 days per year per employee lost absenteeism. And to be clear, absenteeism, you probably know, it's when you're not in work, you've phoned in sick, whether it's a headache, but actually you're feeling stressed, whether it's mental or physical health, you're not there in work, you are physically absent. Also, looked at presenteeism. So presenteeism And in the last 12 months, 86% of companies that were polled by the Chartered Institute of Personal Development found that they'd observed instances of presenteeism. Presenteeism is, you know, you'll all know this, it's a colleague who comes in, puts the coat around the chair early morning, what they do in the day is a mystery, but they're probably the last to leave as well. That's presenteeism. Turning up to work, tired, hungover, whatever, and just like Ocado shop, Facebook. It's presenteeism. It's when you're there, but you're not necessarily working. And that's obviously a big issue as well. Leaveism. Leaveism is when you're supposed to be resting and on holiday and away from the business, but you're not. And I've got a really good example of that. It was about a decade ago. You see how long it stayed with me. And I was on a boat in the Mediterranean, lying at the front of the boat on a sun lounger. And the woman next to me got her phone out and started making business calls. She was arranging the Dreamforce conference for the following year. And she finished her call and I said to her, do you mind? I mean, that is exactly what I've come here to get away from. And she was very apologetic. Her family were at the back of the boat. She finally rejoined them and apologised to me again later on in the cruise. But that's a great example of leaveism. And it isn't just that it irritated me. She isn't resting. She's still worrying about the Dreamforce conference. The business is losing out as well, because when she comes back, she's not rested. She's not revitalised. So it's a major issue. The total cost to the UK economy of presenteeism and absenteeism combined is £77 Isn't that a huge sum of money? To give you some context around that, that's just over two-thirds of the NHS budget for the year. 
It's a massive, massive sum of money. And I think we're leaving a lot of money on the table with this. I think if businesses could just get a little bit to factor in well-being a little bit more into what they do, to start recognising that we need to change the way that we do business in order for people to bring their true selves to work so that there isn't money being left on the table. If you intersect a really powerful purpose in a business with people, you get something that's very, very energising within a business. So a clear sense of purpose and the right people behind that purpose. So this is what I want to try and get you to think about tonight, is changing the way that you perhaps run your businesses. I don't think that businesses today are going to be competing on the traditional ways that we have been for talent. Because there's the other side of this, there's the human cost, there's the cost of the economy, but there's also how do you as a business attract and retain talent? How do you get the best people out there into your business and then keep them there? And I don't think it's going to be in the traditional way, which you're seeing here, which is a car or a financial package or any of those other kind of things. The corner office, for example. I don't think that's how we're going to be able to compete anymore. And certainly millennials are going to ask for something different. They're less interested in ownership, so the car won't interest them much. They're probably renting one from Zipcar. They're not so interested in offices because what's important to them is flexible working. Can I work anywhere and can I work times that suit me as well, whether that's around kids or pets or whatever it might be, chronotypes, which we'll talk about in a bit. So I looked at some companies that are doing this really well. And there's, there's quite a few of them, actually, though, so I could cherry-pick some of the, the examples. So this is Tony Shea of Zappos. Zappos is the online shoe retailer. And this is a tremendous story. I mean, he's actually written a book called Delivering Happiness, so he is very big on this kind of stuff. And he said this, I think that when people say they dread going into work on a Monday morning, it's because they know they're leaving a piece of themselves at home. Why not see what happens when you challenge your employees to bring all of their talents to their job and reward them not just for doing it like everyone else, but for pushing the envelope, for being adventurous, creative, and open-minded, and trying new things. So this is what he does in his business. The first thing they do is they hire on values. And I've just started doing this in my business of 10 people, much smaller than Zappos. And it's working really well for us. So instead of looking at the CVs and going through that to see all their skills and attributes, when we recruited for a position very recently, I had a briefest of look at the CVs. And then I just said, get them on the phone for a 15-minute phone interview. And I asked them a few questions about their own personal values, so what's important to them. I asked them about their values around health, because we are a, a health business. So there were no fitness challenges you had to pass to become an employee of Body Shot. But I do want to know how you look after yourself. I do want to know how you respond to stress. What do you do when you can't sleep very well? What strategies do you have to keep yourself well and vital? And he hires on values. That's one of the key differences for, for Zappos. They also have what's called a culture book, which replaces the employee handbook. And all that talks about is what, what it's like to work at Zappos. What does a Zappos employee look like? And by the way, Zappos is majority call centre, so it's very non-traditional in that sense. They also have free meals that they provide, which I think is a small part of what we're really talking about here. You know, it's not enough to put a fruit bowl on the top of the desk or provide free meals, but it's something. Most importantly, I think, they have what's called a nap room. So they encourage employees that need to take a 10 to 20 minute power nap to go and do so. You know, and it doesn't matter. They're not going to be thought badly of. Because when you think about it, there are all sorts of reasons what make us come into work tired. You know, I've just been having a conversation with someone who was talking about the children waking up in the night. And that's something that we can't really avoid. But if it does mean you're coming into work tired and unable to deliver the same amount of productivity with the same degree of happiness, then that's an issue. So why not just say it's absolutely cool to take a 10, 15, 20 minute nap? Any longer than that, you're starting to slip into deep sleep and you're going to feel really groggy, but why not try that? And the kicker is Zappos hit 1 billion of sales in 10 years, which is astronomical. 
they have an 87% retention rate. And of the 13% that leave the business, only 7% is voluntary. That's massive as well. It costs about 30 to 40 grand in the UK to bring a new person into your business. So when you think about it like that, retention should be, you know, your retention strategy should be really up there. They sold to Amazon for an undisclosed amount in 2009. So that is a hugely successful business that's really been built on the foundation of well-being, which is very important to Tony Shea. This lady is Claude Silva. She is the chief heart officer of VaynerMedia. Anyone ever heard of a chief heart officer? It's a brilliant title. I'm actually getting her on my podcast soon to talk about exactly what she does with Vayner. VaynerMedia, has anyone heard of that business? So it's a London-based agency. They're a market, digital marketing agency run by a guy called Gary Vaynerchuk, who's an incredibly ambitious, brash New Yorker, and he's built this company super quick. And he brought Claude Silver on as chief heart officer. She describes her role as she works for 800 humans. And her role, as she says here in her quote, is to infuse the agency with empathy. So she believes that if she really gets to know the dreams and aspirations of every single one of those humans, don't ask me how she does it, but that's what she says she does, to get to know the dreams and aspirations of every 800 human being in VaynerMedia, then they can help create a culture where you can bring your, your true self to work, which is an underlying theme for all the case studies I'm going to give you, but that people are going to be more relaxed, and if people are more relaxed and happy, they're going to treat the customers in a better way, hence they can accelerate their growth. Gary Vaynerchuk's big, hairy, audacious goal, his BHAG, if you like, is to, to buy the New York Jets. So whether he gets to do that or not, I don't know, but he's going to need to build a hugely large, monolithic organisation if he's going to get that sort of revenue. He's got a very short attention span, so one of the things they do for well-being is they have very short meetings in VaynerMedia, 15 to 30 minutes max. And that's a great takeaway for you, because one of the things that kills people's energy is long meetings. Long meetings and tons of email. So by, by having a short meeting, you know, you, a few strategies, if, if meetings are a problem for you or your organisation, cut them short, have people send a, an agenda, so you can actually say that doesn't need to be a face-to-face -face meeting, in fact, I don't even need to be in that meeting. Have a standing meeting, you'll be amazed how quickly people will be like, oh, could we cut this short? And have a walking meeting as well, that's another really powerful thing to do. So there's a few strategies there, so short meetings is one of the things they do in VaynerMedia, but that's Claude Silva. So no HR managers in there, they have a chief heart officer. And Vayner, by the way, have grown from 30 to 600 people in five years. So it's huge, huge growth. This is Maria Rodell, who's the CEO, or was actually until very recently, of Rodell Publishing. This is another huge publishing house. They publish titles like Men's Health and Women's Health. So wellness is very much at the heart of Rodell's business. And they're doing some fantastic things out in the US. The big standout is they have an energy center. So they've actually called it an energy center. And in there, they have a, a kitchen, which is a farm-to-table kitchen. So fresh, organic, locally sourced produce is brought in and put on the plates of employees. They run classes all day long, and employees are allowed to go to those classes at a time that suits them. So some of you will prefer to exercise in the morning. No problem. Go do a 10 o'clock class. Come back to your desk at 11.30. If you prefer to exercise in the early afternoon, great. Lunchtime, no problem. You go to a class when it suits you. They have nutrition classes there, they have meditation, they even have a one-mile walking trail. So you can walk up and down this, this walking trail as a meeting or just to clear your head. Now that's something not everyone can install, obviously, a one-mile walking trail, but, but that's what they do. They do annual skin screenings for all their employees as well. They have a nap room again, and they have what's called pedal points. So if, if you cycle into work and back for a consistent period, 
you get to earn points, and those points add up, and when they add up to a certain amount, they'll bring forward their summer hours. So they close earlier in the summer, and they bring forward those summer hours. So there's lots of incentives to stay active. And the kicker here is it's such a, a powerful organisation, they got bought out by Hearst Publishing for an undisclosed amount again. So huge, huge example of what can be done, really. I love the Energy Centre. This chap is David S. Taylor. He runs Procter & Gamble globally. And I haven't put a quote up for him. I'm sure he's said many effective things, but I put a light bulb, and that's not to indicate he has good ideas, but he does. The light bulb is there because what Procter & Gamble realised is they had a real problem with a couple of their factories in the US. So they brought in an expert, a consultant, who said the problem is your lighting. And the problem was that they had massively jacked up absenteeism rates and really plummeting productivity. And what this expert said is it's lighting. These guys were working night shifts. And because they were subjected to this harsh, what's called junk light, they weren't getting to sleep in the day. So they were coming to work for the night shift again, absolutely exhausted. And just to backtrack for a second, that whole thing with light's really important. And it, it comes down to circadian rhythm. So if I can take you back to caveman times, you know, we'd have woken up with light flooding the mouth of the cave, and that would have set our circadian rhythm. Light is one of the key things that sets our circadian rhythm. We'd have come out of that cave, look left, look right. Is anything there to attack us? Is anything there to be attacked? Depending on the answer to that, we'd have gone about our business. So we'd have been out in the open air, subjected to all the natural light, squatting, scurrying, foraging, hunting, being hunted, sharpening tools, the whole, the whole gamut. We'd have been moving a lot, and we'd have been in natural light. Then as that natural light faded, we'd come back to camp, we'd light a fire, we'd finish off the jobs, and we'd go back in the cave to sleep. That's a healthy circadian rhythm governed by two key things, really. Well, three, hormones, light, and movement. But the problem we have now is we're in buildings like this tonight, but also in our offices. You know, we're not getting that natural light. We're not moving much. We're very sedentary. So they are some of the typical problems. What disrupts our sleep, which, as I mentioned, is governed by hormones, so serotonin in the morning, cortisol in the morning, which Martin's talked about, and melatonin in the evening. And what triggers melatonin is a drop in frequency of light, which happens naturally when the sun goes in. But we don't get that drop in frequency in light when we're subjected to these kind of lights, including on our screens, our televisions, and everything else. It's a frequency of light called blue light. It's not a color, it's a frequency. So the sleep experts said that's the problem. So they, they changed all the light bulbs in this factory, and sure enough, absenteeism went down, productivity went back up. So David S. Taylor said, great, we'll look at replacing all the lights in all our factories and offices across the world, and that's what they're endeavouring to do. It's another example of, of how can we play a better game, play a, a cleverer game in terms of people's well-being. So lighting is one of them. This lady is Kate Parker of Forster Communications, much, much smaller organisation now. I wanted to try and give you a real cross-section of companies. This is a 25-people PR agency, and they've done some really, really great things. So one of the things they have is Forster Well, which is a, a wellness scheme for employees. So employees get a card, and they can get that card stamped with points according to nutrition, social interaction, culture. So anyone who's demonstrating the culture and, and trying to grow that culture of wellness gets those points. They have a similar scheme with pedal power. So if you cycle or walk into work, you get points as well, which you can then credit for other things, including time off. And the kicker here is that they won Britain's Healthiest Workplace 2017. So they've won awards, which helps them to attract and retain talent. But I talked earlier about the 6.6 .6 days per employee on average being lost to absenteeism. They've managed to get their rate down to 2.7 days. So a massive reduction in absenteeism. 
And they also polled all the staff, well, 25 of them, with enforced communications, and asked them how proud they were to work at the company. And they got a 100% very proud rate. So these things really matter. You know, this isn't, this isn't fluffy stuff. You know, let's look after people. Well-being, I think, gets kicked around a bit in a positive and a negative way. What we're really talking about is energy, vitality, and performance. Call it whatever you will. But just putting that extra effort in to look after people and create that culture where you're part of the team and we want you to bring your best self to work gets you that discretionary extra effort as well. So when they need to stay late or they need to pull out all the stops, you know, they're really happy and willing to do that. This is Jess Nickel of an accountancy firm up in Aberdeen called AAB. I've worked really closely with Jess, so I know all about what they do there. They have a number of things going on. They have a wellness scheme. One of the things that they do is they nudge people into more movement by just putting footsteps. As soon as you come into reception, there were footsteps on the floor guiding you up the stairs instead of the escalator. And they've monitored that, and it, it gets more people to take the stairs. So just a little nudge like that. Their offices are best in nature, which isn't always possible. Again, you can't choose where your office is located. But you can see the mountains and the hills through the window. They have lots of natural light coming in through the glass. It's a really kind of uplifting place to work. Lots of colours. They've got a trophy cabinet of awards they've won that matches Sir Alex Ferguson's. They've won tonnes of awards. And they've got huge growth plans as well. And they know that to meet these growth plans, they need to attract predominantly millennial talent. So one of the ways they're going about doing that is they've got an online learning, learning management system. So users, can, anyone with an aab.uk email address can access this platform. And it's eight modules, introduction, it talks about sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, fitness, and then a winning philosophies video. So anyone can access this content. They also have run workshops for senior managers so they can better recognize health issues in themselves, but also, more importantly, in the teams that they manage. They send a weekly how-to email on a Friday, so how to get more sleep, how to stay active at your desk, that kind of thing. They have a monthly newsletter all predicated around well-being that goes to all the users as well. And this has really paid off for them. I mentioned they had a big trophy cabinet. One of the awards they've won is the Times 100 Best Company to Work For for Wellbeing. So they're number 11 at the moment, and one of the things they want to do is get themselves up to number one if they can. And predominantly, they, they wanted also reduced absenteeism. They had a problem with absenteeism they wanted to start chipping away at. They wanted to mitigate some of the risks. So if somebody comes to HR saying, I feel very stressed, you know, I don't know what to do, you haven't looked after me, they can say, well, actually, you haven't logged on to the LMS, you haven't opened the emails. So there's a little, bit, little element of that, but predominantly it's around employee engagement and retention and getting them to that growth target. And lastly, Jonathan Lister Parsons. So this is a small company, again, called Pension B, run by two millennials, both used to be in investment banking. And they wanted to disrupt the pension industry. So they've created this young and funky company called Pension B. And employees are encouraged to dress down when they come into work. Once a week, they showcase their proud achievements. There's little things like that that make people feel good. They believe that happy employees means happy customers. So they do what they can. They get behind social causes. They encourage their employees to bring their social causes to work, and the company will get behind those as well. And the kicker there is they've grown from three to 35 people in three years, and they've got 35,000 customers and counting. So they've also been able to achieve quite rapid growth within their sector. So I don't think that this is, as I say, this kind of fluffy stuff that it'd be nice to do. I think it's absolutely essential for reducing absenteeism, increasing productivity, driving more performance and energy through the organisation. And it's a proven competitive advantage. So Ariana Huffington, used to be Huffington Post, is now Thrive Global, said this. This is a tough economy. Stress reduction and mindfulness aren't just there to make us happier and healthier. They're a proven competitive advantage. And I believe that to be the case, actually. And there were some numbers that I read in a book 
that I was reading on the train this morning, so I didn't have time to adjust the slides and send them to Martin, but a recent study found that prioritising employee engagement and retention got you these benefits. 8% greater productivity, 16% greater profit margin, 19% increase in operating income, 2.6 times earnings per share, 12% increased customer advocacy, 50% less sick days, and 87% of people were less likely to leave when employee engagement and retention was prioritised. Compelling numbers, right? So here's my vision. I'd like to see three things happen. I'd like there to be a health charter between an employee and an employer. And that health charter states from an employer's perspective, I'm going to create a culture where it's okay to talk about how you're feeling. I'm going to create a culture where we encourage you to be active, healthy, happy. We'll give you little nudges. We'll give you concessions. We'll educate you. And we won't make undue demands on you. And from the employee perspective, I commit to bringing my best self to work. I commit to prioritising my mental health. I commit to sleeping well, to making sure I bring enough energy to perform my job. And then you review that charter, maybe every six or 12 weeks. So it's not an annual appraisal. You're constantly reviewing this in a 360 way. And I think that could absolutely transform the way we do business and the results we get. Second thing I'd like to see is a completely new attitude to email, starting with a ban on email when, when people go on vacation. So if you're on annual leave and I send you an email, I get a bounce back to say it's been destroyed because you're on holiday. Maybe signpost me to someone else so I don't come back to an enormous inbox. So I know people who book holidays from Saturday to Saturday so they can spend Sunday when they get back going through their inbox so they can hit the ground running on Monday, which is kind of crazy, isn't it? Or I know lots of people that do their email for two hours in the morning when on holiday so they can try and enjoy the rest of the day. The problem is you can't unsee an email once you've seen it. So if you've seen something you wish you hadn't, it's going to stay with you. So that's what I'd love to see. Maybe Radical, Daimler do it, and they're a pretty big organisation. So, yeah, that's, that's one idea. And the last and final thing is measuring people on their output and their productivity, not the number of hours they're clocking in on. Now, that, that would be quite transformational, and that really plays into the flexible working that quite a few of the companies I mentioned have. Chronotype working. So if you're an AMR, a morning person, come in at 8, finish at 4, if you're a PMR, come in at 10, finish at 6, and get measured on your productivity. Or maybe don't come in at all, work from home, because I just want you to deliver that project by that time. I don't care where you are or what time you get up and what time you go to bed. Just get your measure on the productivity. So that's my vision. I hope that's inspired you to maybe rethink how you manage your teams or your in yourself as an individual or if your business owners you know, inspire you to try and look at how you are running your business and embrace some of what I've talked about. Thank you very much. Interested in finding out what your health IQ is? Jump on our website, www.bodyshotsperformance.com and click on Take the Test. It'll take you through to a short two to three minute test. And at the end of that, you'll get a scorecard and a free 39 page report based on our six signals, sleep, mental health, energy, body composition, digestion, and fitness. And if you've enjoyed this episode, please think of someone who could really benefit from the content and hit that share button and send it across to them. And of course, don't forget to subscribe and leave us a rating and a review. Thank you very much for listening.